0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Reverend Father, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm very pleased to welcome Father Ermitinger here from the diocese, the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, a place I think you've heard of. Uh, he is. Um, this is his maiden voyage as a di- as a deacon at Solemn Mass, and we're very grateful to have him here. Father, thank you very much uh, for the, your generosity of time and, and effort. Today we have one or two interesting things in this gospel that I want to point out to you because they're just, they're so exciting. One of the things that jumps out when you read this passage, and first of all, you know, consider that this is the only miracle, the only great miracle that's recorded in all four of the gospels, and they get the events in the right order, you know, where it's we're getting we're getting close to passover and the lord has begun his public ministry he's been performing signs he's been healing he has this great feeding the multitude he feeds the multitudes twice which is kind of a curious thing and numbers are always involved they tell you how many people were there and how many baskets were left over and so forth what's to make of all of that and then immediately this is the, this is the account from John and then immediately after this we have the Lord walking on water out on the sea of Tiberias, and, and then the, the encounter with the Phoenician woman. And, the, and, all, and then, then he has the, the magnificent I am the bread of life discourse after that. This is all in chapter 6 of John. What's going on in here? Well, if, and why do we have it today? What, what's its function in this place in the liturgical year? Why is it going on in Lent right now? Well, first of all, let's review. We're at Le- Leitari Sunday. Laetare Sunday, Redoris Jerusalem. Everything now is pointing at Jerusalem. Like pilgrims, we are going to Jerusalem. And we're looking there, and we can almost see it. It's almost on the horizon. And we're beginning to rejoice. You know, the Jews, the Jewish men had to go to Jerusalem every year at Passover in order to sacrifice. Their lambs and eat the Passover meal, and there would be a million people would descend on Jerusalem at Passover, and they would slaughter 250,000 lambs in one afternoon in the temple. Can you imagine the hustle and the bustle? And they would sing psalms on the way up the slopes towards Jerusalem, which is a mountain. That was the mountain. It was the mountain where Abraham ascended with isaac with wood you know christ and the christ prefiguring christ priest and victim going up the mountain that's jerusalem that's where the temple was built they would all march up this way right so this is this is on the horizon in this in this reading right just like it's on the horizon for us in the liturgical year today we have a a slight relaxation of our penitence because of the joy of the the thought of jerusalem coming up, you know, what we're going to be doing in the Sacred Room at the end of Holy Week. So we have also today rose vestments, one of the two days of the year when we can have it, along with Gaudete Sunday and Advent. The reason why we do this is because on this Sunday, the Pope and all the people would gather at a church in Rome called the Holy Cross of Jerusalem, where the mother of the Emperor Constantine deposited all of the relics of the passion that she had brought back from the Holy Land. So it was just like being in Jerusalem. It was like being in Jerusalem there when you were in this little chapel that was built where the apse of the Basilica is even today. And there you can find a great fragment of the cross and the sign that was put over him and the you know thorns from the crown of thorns and nails and the finger of Thomas that maybe went into his side and the cross beam of the good thief and and in, in, in earth, she brought earth back from Jerusalem so that when you're in this place, it's down underneath, so that when you're in this place, it's like you're standing on Calvary. And this is what she wanted to recreate there, right? And so this was the station mass. And remember, the catechumens have been enduring weeks and weeks of scrutinies. Remember, way back in Septuagesima Sunday, remember I started talking about the catechumens who were going to be examined all during this time. They had met at first at St. Lawrence outside the walls, and they heard all these dire chants about things that had happened to you and suffering and all that in order to kind of get them into the mood, right? You know, like, what am I getting myself into? Do I really want to do this? Because this Christian thing that we're going to get into is really serious. And so all during this time, we've been going to different station churches all over Rome, and they would meet at a certain church, and they would be examined they'd be taught things right and then they'd be examined they had the traditio the tradition the giving over of various aspects of the faith and then they had to repeat these things back they'd be when they were being scrutinized examined to see if they were learning if they were really serious about this thing of ours right well by this point the scrutinies are the scrutinies are just they're over and they're at jerusalem now at the the church of the basilica of the holy cross of Jerusalem, and this is where the popes would, would, in the Middle Ages, would bless roses made of gold that would be distributed to notable Catholics all over the world, and that's why the rose developed, the rose vestment, rose-colored vestments developed, that church for that day, then it spread to the rest of Rome, and it spread to the rest of the world through the Roman Missal, the greatest tool of evangelization that there has ever been in the history of anything, right? So here we are, Marching towards Jerusalem. Now, if you're in Rome right now, and in ancient Rome, you're kind of lower down and up on the on that hill. That hill is just kind of right up there. Is the Lateran Basilica, the Lateran Basilica, the Cathedral of Rome, where the baptistry is, where if you're a catechumen, in just a little while, you're going to be baptized up there. So here, you can almost see it. Your goals are in sight, and that is the context. In which we have this reading about the feeding of the multitude. One of the feedings of the multitudes. No, there are two feedings of the multitudes. What, what's that all about? Why does the Lord have to do this twice? Well, if you look carefully, one of the the other feeding of the multitude that we hear about is in the region that they call the region of the Decapolis, which was Gentile territory. Here we're in the territory of the Jews. He does his miracle of feeding the multitudes twice, once for the Gentiles and once for the Jews, you see. That's what's going on. That's what but, but this one, let's get let's let's keep with this one. There is an amazing, there's a, a moment in here, like my favorite little moment in here, when John says, Jesus said, Then make them recline. And he And John adds this little thing. He says, there was much grass in the place, right? It's springtime, but it's the kind of comment that would be inserted by someone who was an eyewitness to what happened. Now, this is an important element, I think, to to pay attention to because, and I I bet that Father would back me up on this about seminary training way back in the day. You know, when we looked at this in Scripture, you know, some of these... Seminary props and the people who have taken over the academy universities and all the commentaries on scripture and so forth these Rationalists and these modernists who really don't believe in the supernatural and don't believe in miracles And they try to reduce the transcendent always to the banal and the imminent or whatever You you know what I'm talking about when we were when we were taught about this parable the prop said and this is so common, so many so many seminarians and priests have, were trained this way to think that, well, the real miracle here of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes is that Jesus taught everyone to share, that they really all have food, but he convinced them somehow to take out the food and to share it with everybody instead of him actually multiplying the loaves. That's what they say the miracle was, which is complete rubbish. There's There are there there examples in the text itself that suggest to you that, yeah, this really was an eyewitness account. This is a favorable and eyewitness account to a real miracle. And it's a miracle that wasn't just a miracle. It was like a prophetic sign. What's going on here? What is the Lord demonstrating to the people and to us? Well, first of all, take these numbers. We have 5,000 men and they collect 12 baskets of bread. Now, immediately, if you are in ancient times, in the ancient, you know, these ancient Catholics are forebears in the faith. They knew their scriptures inside and out. When they heard numbers, immediately their mind started turning. What do these numbers mean? Well, you start doing some multiplication And you wind up with 600,000. You know, you get get that 60, 12, 5 thing, 60, that starts to go around in their minds. Well, in Exodus, we're told that the number of the men of the Exodus were 600,000 men. And they had 12 tribes. So immediately what this feeding is about is an association with the manna in the desert. The, they're out in a deserted place where they can't get any food. And bread now is given to them from the one who is bread from heaven himself. And so he is demonstrating himself to be the new Moses. Leading a new exodus toward the promised land in Jerusalem. The new, eventually the new Jerusalem, which will descend in the heaven from the heavens and the end times. It takes place on a mountain. And great things always take place in mountains, all through salvation history. This is a demonstration of... The, and this is something that would not have been lost on them. As a matter of fact, it wasn't lost on them. When they, they made all these associations and calculated this all out of their minds, what did they want to do? They said, this is the prophet who is to come into the world. There are this whole business about the grass and the people reclining, this also harks back to, to prophecies, a prophecy of Moses about the Messiah that would come, who would gather the assembly, the ecclesia, the church, the, for the word in Greek that means church, and he would feed them and so forth. There is a, a There are prophecies in Ezekiel about about the one. They would lie down on grass and they would be fed and so forth. There are, all of these things are being lived out right here in front of the eyewitness John who gives us his words and makes them fresh to us as if we are there too. Because remember that in the context of Holy Mass, every single word and every single gesture is Christ speaking, Christ speaking. Acting through you, the baptized, through me and Father, through the ordained. Sacramental reality is not less real than stuff that you feel or hear or smell. You look around the light in here and the beauty of the church. These are these things are being made present to you in the context of the sacred liturgical action. All during this time, the sacred time of Lent, described by the Fathers as a sacramentum, like the season itself is a sacrament. Well, what is a sign? What is a sacrament? Right? It's it's something that's instituted by Christ using physical, material things that confers an invisible reality upon us. That's what we're doing in our sacred liturgy. We're using signs, and we're involved in 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 spiritual. We're involved in we're having an an encounter with mystery. Well, now what's happening, we're being shown that this is like the new exodus. You remember in the first exodus, Moses led the people out of Egypt because God told him, God told the people that he wanted to lead them out of Egypt. Why? So that they could worship him properly. God brought the people out of Egypt for the sake of worshiping him properly. He wanted to get them to the promised land so they could have a place to worship him properly. Which is one of the reasons why in the Old Testament we have these books and we have these long descriptions of all the stuff that was going to be involved, all the instruments and the ark and the, the clothing of the priests and so forth. What he, God is interested in how we worship him. He wants us to worship him in his way. And so we're given by God in the Old Testament indications of how our worship would be in the future, which Holy Mother Church has taken to herself And over centuries of love and care and crafting and polishing and perfecting has given us beautiful sacred rites in which all these things that are foreshadowed in the depths of the history of salvation are now being made present for us right now so that we can participate in them as real participants. We're not just listening to stories. we become participants in sacred mystery, we are now being asked by Holy Mother Church to think of ourselves as a pilgrim people moving towards Jerusalem in a new exodus with a whole new reality with the one who is actually Lord who demonstrates himself to be Lord of creation by feeding the multitudes and then the next thing what happens he goes out and he walks on water on disturbed water he's out there just like the Holy Spirit Hovered over the waters and brought order out of the chaos and brought the cosmos into being. That's what the Lord is going to demonstrate when he, the next thing that he does when he walks on water, and then he'll have his magnificent discourse about he being the bread of life. As we continue with our Lenten observance, consider well, plan well, how you will now. Go on as a pilgrim with the spirit of a catechumen, maybe, reviewing things, learning things that are new, looking things up, trying to understand them new, getting down to the content underneath the things that you might study, which is actually the content is really a a person. The content of every gesture and word of this mass is a person, a divine person, our Lord Jesus Christ, with whom we can have a relationship. We can have a relationship, with personal relationship with all the things that are going on here, even to the point where he gives us his own person in Holy Communion. Think about how how the rest of Lent is going to go now. Now, for the ancient catechumens in ancient Rome, tomorrow was the day when they began their really strict penance and the really strict fasting. Lent got lengthened out over time, but in the ancient times, And they were all going around to the stations. Tomorrow was the day when they began to be very serious. Let's all get very serious now about the conclusion of Lent and entering into Passion Time with Holy Week and the Sacred Treatment. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.